Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, Drew Scott here. And I'm Jonathan Scott reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Hard in My Take, the number one podcast on the Dreamshake.com, home of all things Houston Rockets on SBNation.com. Jeremy Brenner, and today we're popping the champagne, we're getting the balloons out, because Michael Brown, we're here to celebrate a Rockets victory tonight. Is it just me, or the day after a playoff win, food tastes better, the issues at work don't seem as bad, the air is just a tad bit more fresh? Is that just me, or is that... Every fan as it should be is the question I pose to you, Jeremy Brenner. It's going to get you through that Wednesday a whole lot easier, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Uh, A sigh of relief, honestly, because you know me. If you read our stuff at thedreamshake.com, you'll know that I've been one of the more pessimistic staff members about this Rocket series. I've been concerned about the Thunder and with the Rockets kind of slowly limping their way into the playoffs, but they proved me wrong tonight, and I'm glad they did. Uh, Based on my testimony from last episode, I said, first of all, I thought Westbrook was going to play, and then I was probably being too optimistic there, and then I said, if he didn't play, the Rockets were going to be down 
you know, they would lose this game. I got to tell you, this was one of the better games I've watched them play in a while. They looked crisp. They looked hungry. They looked... Okay, see... ready for the moment. Yeah, it, it was not just one guy either, man. Like, I feel like I've dogged on P.J. Tucker a lot the past couple of weeks. And I'm sure we'll get into this as the show goes, but there were multiple guys that helped win this game. It wasn't a, you know, Harden dragged them to the finish line. Like, there were Uncle Jeff, E.G., McLemore, D'Antoni, I thought, coached a heck of a game. Uh, just a really good team win. Yeah, let's, let's break down the box score here. Rockets win 123-108. The team led by as much as 23 at one point. They shot 48% from the field, which is a big reason why this was such a dominating win. You know, 15 points was the final margin, but it certainly felt like more than that. They were leading by double digits for the entire second half. They also make 20 of their 52 threes, good for a clip of 38.5%, which is above their average for the season or right right there. If you're shooting 38% at the at the volume in which the Rockets shoot, it's hard to lose a basketball game. Well, I mean, you, yes, 100% right. But look at the difference. The Rockets made seven more threes than OKC did. You know, that's 21 points. There's the game right there. You win the game by 15. Mm-hmm. If the Rockets are going to shoot the three ball like they did tonight, There's been games where it's felt like they just throw up threes just to throw up threes and, you know, shoot 63s a game. But tonight felt different. Tonight felt more calculated. There weren't too many threes where I said, that's a terrible shot that they just took, you know? Um, They just, they looked, they just looked lethal. Lethal might be the word that that I'm looking for. They just, they got what they wanted. Um, Steven Adams. I mean, he had a decent game in the box score, but he looked lost defensively. Was that just me, or did you see that, too? Where there was not in his comfort zone. The Rockets' small yeah. ball lineup takes him out of his comfort zone. It takes him away from the basket, which is where he is strongest, and you put him out on the perimeter. P.J. had some nice looks tonight and made three of eight from the corner. And, I mean, I think I can remember one shot that P.J., had from three that wasn't in the corner. But PJ had some nice looks tonight because Steven Adams was playing a little bit close, to, uh, too close to the basket, giving that, you know, to PJ Tucker. And PJ Tucker and Jeff Green are going to be so crucial to the series because yeah. the Rockets' offense is so dynamic that you have to pick your poison. And more often than not, you're going to pick. P.J. Tucker and Jeff Green taking a corner three versus a James Harden and one at the rim, a Russell Westbrook and one at the rim, an Eric Gordon and one at the rim. And a three-point shot from the corner is a tougher shot to make than a two-point bucket right at the rim. But I think Stan Van Gundy, who, by the way, <laughs> this is, I think, the second or third game we've had with Stan Van Gundy. He is better than his brother, first of all, and one of the best color guys, like in the in the game right now. I 
I don't watch the national. I, I, I'm sure I, I watched a little bit of it and I, I followed Twitter throughout the night. So I caught what he was saying and I'm sure he's great. I can't stand the national broadcasts. I mean, I just, I stay local just because. He did call James Harden, uh, no, Charles Barkley did call James Harden the best one-on-one player um, of all time. And we'll get to that a little bit later on. But Charles Barkley also said if Portland wins tonight, they're going to sweep the Lakers. Um, <laughs> so take so, it with a grain of salt. Yeah. The, <laughs> I, I don't know what was in that coffee cup, you know, during the, the show with, with old Charles. I love Charles Barkley, though. Mm. I, I just, I love him. Uh, but touching on what you said earlier, there was two plays that I wrote down on my game notes that I want to run by you just to emphasize what you were saying. James, there was, there, was, there was a play where James Harden, where he gets to his left, and if, if James Harden gets to his left going downhill towards the basket, nine times out of ten he's going to score. But there was these two plays where P.J. Tucker was in the corner – and Steven Adams was like halfway between the corner and the basket. And PJ Tucker had just hit a three. And Steven Adams had to stay at home on Tucker and allow James Harden to get two easy bucket layups. And it's, it goes to what you were saying. You've said this for a couple of weeks now. And, and I, it rang true tonight. The Rockets made the Thunder play Rockets basketball tonight. They put them in so yeah. many comfortable situations where I'm watching the game and I'm like, how is Steven Adams not going to help on that? And it brings up the idea of he didn't want to give up the corner three because he knows how good PJ Tucker is in the corner. And they, you know, three is greater than two. So they just gave up these easy buckets, but those easy buckets, you know, they, they start to stack up, you know, there's four points right there. Uh, There was a couple, you know, fouls on, on Harden and, you know, the from the three-point line, it just felt like the Thunder never got comfortable tonight. And kudos to Mike D'Antoni. Mike D'Antoni outcoached Billy Donovan tonight like, not like, I mean, he did, straight up. There, there's no other way to put it. Him and his coaching staff did an outstanding job with their game plan. Yeah, Mike, Mike D'Antoni, <clears throat> excuse me. Mike D'Antoni's staff deserves a lot of credit for this win uh, because the game plan they had is is a traditional Rockets game plan. And when you have a team like the Rockets, you don't necessarily need to game plan against the other team. You just need to do your work, execute, and the job will be done for you if you execute properly. Because I'll say this, and I might get flack for this. I don't know if I'll get flack with this for my audience. If the Rockets play like they did tonight, they can beat any team in the league. Oh, they're dangerous. They're, this is the most dangerous version of the Rockets we've seen. Granted, we're not going to see them shoot 48% every game. We're not going to see them shoot 38% from three every game. This was Rockets at their peak, but also, James Harden said after the game, the defense could be better. Which oh. could- Did you and love that as much as I did? Let's, let's not forget. His yeah. An all-star in street clothes on the bench coming at any point now. This, I, I it's, you know, as pessimistic I, as I was before tonight, I'm just as optimistic now. Because now that I've seen a game, now that I've seen what it's going to be like, 
Oklahoma City's going to have to make some adjustments. And you never want to be at that point this early in the series where you have to make strong adjustments to the way they play. Because OKC, to me, tonight, they just looked flat. I, I don't know what it was. Like, it took them a while to get a three ball going, which that was that's why Houston making their shots early, because like we mentioned earlier, they had to play the Rockets style of basketball. 35 threes from OKC is pretty, pretty high for them. And they don't have as many three-point shooters as the Rockets do. They have, um, you know, Chris Paul, but Chris Paul isn't, you know, we know Chris Paul. He's not like a, a three-point specialist. I guess the closest thing they have to a three-point specialist that played a ton of minutes tonight was Danilo Gallinari. Oh, he was good, man. He, he's a problem. He's not much yeah. defensively, but man, can that dude just play. He was, he was the best player tonight for OKC, and it wasn't really that close. I mean, he, he's, he's an offensive weapon. I mean, right. here's, here's what makes me that much more optimistic. And first of all, we're going to go to sleep tonight. The Rockets are 15 wins away from, from an NBA championship. They're yeah. one step. They're literally one step closer. Check out cool. our pinned. Check out our pinned tweet that I've been doing for the past three years. Ever since I've had access to the Twitter account, I've been doing the um, the Rockets and the check marks tweet. It's pinned on our Twitter account at DreamShakeSBN. Go ahead and like that tweet and give us a retweet. Give us a follow if you want. It was just a shameless plug in the middle of the podcast. But go ahead, Mike. It's no problem. Um, the Here's what I love about this win tonight is that it wasn't against a Thunder team that didn't have Steven Adams or didn't have Gallinari or didn't have Chris Paul. The, the, the one guy they were missing was Dort, right? And if Dort comes back, yeah, he's a guy who can give some more size against James Harden. But the Rockets did this without Russell Westbrook. Do you know how impressive tonight's win without your second best player was? I mean, they just dominated and and to be honest mike did it and i I don't mean this is disrespectful for russell westbrook more so as a compliment to everyone else did it feel like the rockets were without russ tonight yes there were there were times where i really wished he was on the court but here's the thing about james harden and james harden um doesn't get enough credit National. I mean, look, Charles Barkley gave him a heck of a compliment. I don't know if it's true tonight, you know, saying that he's the greatest one-on-one player to ever play the game. But James Harden led in other ways tonight. He was engaged defensively. Yes. Harden led the NBA in steals. Do you know how awesome that, like, he led the league in points and steals. Are you freaking kidding me? He had no steals tonight, though. He had four steals for the Rockets tonight. Yeah, because he wanted to give the rest of the team, you know, the chance to catch up to him. But three turnovers, not too bad. Seven turnovers altogether. They they took care of the Rock, which is important, especially in in the playoffs. And the reason why I say it didn't feel like Russ wasn't there is because the production that Russ would give on a normal night was the slack was picked up from multiple guys. Most namely, Eric Gordon and Jeff Green. 
especially Eric Gordon. Let's talk about EG tonight. The best game that he's played since his 50-point game in January in Utah. Man, EG looked good tonight. He looks spry. I really like that word. I don't think I've ever used the word spry. In three episodes of Harden. I'm going to spry here because I don't even know what spry means, but it says active and lively. Look at you. I think this is the second straight podcast, Mike, where you've used a word that I did not know very like at all. But and it yeah. fit too. I like, I didn't just pull it out and just use it. He looks right in context and correctly. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I, I really liked what I saw from Eric Gordon tonight. He he looked uh, who I think Matt Bullard. Uh, commented on it tonight. He's lost some weight. You know, he's definitely trimmed down. He's not as, let's call it thick. Uh, but it was always like an athletic thick with Eric Gordon. But he looked... Slim, he's Slim Eric. Yeah, he, you know, it's <laughs> Slim E in the pocket rockets. Uh, yeah, he he looked really good. Now, what I really liked from him tonight was that he only shot the three ball six times. And I say I like that because there, it never felt like anybody was forcing the three ball tonight. They did shoot 52 threes, but it never felt forced. It never felt like they were just throwing it up to throw it up. Jeff Green, three of seven. Ben McLemore. I mean, I was somebody. I was always worried about Ben McLemore uh, defensively. But getting back to Eric Gordon, because that was the question that you posed, uh, I thought he was good defensively. I thought he he spry offensively. Um, and we got the patented, you know, him going to the bucket, you know, he got fouled and he threw up the arms to the refs. I feel like every time he does that, we win a game. Uh, <laughs> I feel like he does that every game though. I know. And we win more times than not with him. True. So yeah, I, I thought he looked great. Um, I want to get your take on Ben McLemore. Ben McLemore. Benny was, Mac. He was saucy tonight. I'll have a Benny Mac with Big Mac sauce. How about that? Oh, man. Uh, I feel like we're really missing a marketing opportunity to have like a, you know, a Ben McLemore shirt tied in some sort of with McDonald's. I don't know what we would do, like turn his face into like a hamburger box, like something like that. Uh, something to think about. Uh, what do you think about McLemore tonight? He, he did his job. His job is to come out almost like Jeff Green or excuse me, Gerald Green. Uh, the microwave offense, the instant points. He had 14 off the bench, five of eight from uh, the field, four or seven from three. That's his role. And he, and he played his role tonight. He executed it really well. A plus 27 tonight. That shows you, and a plus 28 from Jeff Green. That shows you that the, the, the bench production from the Rockets, teams are going to have tough times. People can no, can no longer look at the Rockets as a team that is – just top heavy with Harden and Westbrook. This team is a legitimate depth that they're able to utilize in the playoffs. They did tonight. And to think, I said it to my to my buddies that was watching the game with Ben McLemore was out of the league uh, almost a, a year ago. He, he signed a little over a year, uh, a little under a year ago. But he was out of the league, and the fact that he's been able to do this now. It doesn't – like, knowing from what we've seen from Ben McLemore, it doesn't surprise me. And considering I've been a deep believer in Ben McLemore for 
you know, most of the season, yeah. I, I saw it quick. I didn't see it right away, and I've admitted that, but this is what Ben McLemore needs to continue to do. And to be honest, out of the bench guys, he's been really reliable. And that's what you need in the bench. And that's what I love tonight from Jeff Green and McLemore is they're reliable. And the way Jeff Green has been playing in the bubble – it, the, the moment is perfect for him. The fit in the offense is perfect for him. He was even playing point forward today, looking like, yeah. dare I say LeBron James, but nah, like, nah, how, nah. not LeBron James as, you know, all of LeBron, but just a, a forward taking up the ball. LeBron-esque. Okay, we'll call it that. Okay. Um, but Uncle Jeff tonight... A strong oh. showing, 22 off the bench. The fact that he's making under $700,000 and dropping 22 in a playoff game, the rest of the league should feel ashamed. Well, so let me – I never thought about this, right? The three, the three bench guys, right, uh, uh, Ben McLemore, uh, Jeff Green, and Austin Rivers, right, your three main bench guys, how cool is it? that they were basically cast-offs from other team, you know? Like, Austin Rivers, probably not so much a cast-off, but he was a guy that was available mid-season a couple of years ago, you know? And he was a guy that the Rockets identified that could be a very important piece. Same thing with Ben McLemore. I mean, Ben McLemore signed for, what, $2.1 million, something like that? Jeff Green for $700,000, and they were important pieces. I mean, they are playing very important roles and very important minutes for a Rockets team that, yes, granted, uh, you know, one game into the playoffs, but, I mean, arguably the Rockets have had thus far the most impressive win of the first couple days. Would you agree with that? Yes, I would. Yeah, I mean, there's a, you know, a certain team out east that just lost to the Orlando Magic. We won't name who that team is. Um, but it's hard to win in the NBA playoffs. I mean, no game is easy. And it's going to be different guys every night. But Uncle Jeff, just, his demeanor is a game changer for this team. Mm-hmm. The ability to uh, bring the ball up, like you said, taking that pressure off of James Harden. I thought James Harden, there's been not a lot of games, but there's been a good number of games this year where James Harden has looked less than stellar playing off of the ball. You know, if Russell Westbrook's on the court with him, a lot of times he'll just say, okay, Russ, go do your thing. I'm over here if you need me. But tonight, he had to play off the ball a lot. And I thought James was really, really good at that tonight, too. Yeah, James Harden, also someone we haven't really talked about, 37 from the beard, 11 boards, and a pretty efficient 12 to 22 from, from the field. You know, we talked about with, with Westbrook being out, how much of the burden Harden is going to have to pick up. And he picked it up. He picked up his share tonight. I mean, he, you, he showed why he is who he is. He's the beard. He's – and what I really liked about his performance tonight is based on what everybody has said, all the, the players and, and D'Antoni, this is one win to them. This is not the end-all, be-all. It's one they, way. They see the bigger picture. They see, exactly. 
you know, and Jeff, you know, Jeff Green, um, you know, no Tyson Chandler tonight. I, I'm not going to, outside of that, I'm not going not to mention. Not even garbage time, Mike. Not even garbage time. No, not 100%. Even garbage time. But I will tell you this, that I guarantee you, first of all, he's always been one, one of, if not the biggest cheerleader on the bench for the guys. He's That's always up. He's always you don't got to play minutes for that. Yeah. Hey, and, I want nothing more than for Tyson Chandler to get a ring, man. Oh, well, not there. <laughs> not more than than Harden. Not there. If if I had to choose okay, one, okay. that I want the ring to shove down people's throat on Twitter. It's James Harden. Because now, let's talk about this win. Let's not get into that because that's an entire like seven part series of a sh you know the show that we could do. Mm -hmm. um, so, Mike. Yes. What's what's the name of our podcast? Pardon my take. Okay, so I feel like even though this has very little to do with the outcome tonight, mm -hmm. I feel like we would be doing a disservice to our listeners if we didn't address what Charles Barkley said at halftime about James Harden being the best one-on-one -on -one, uh, player to ever live. Yeah. Harden? Where is he on that list? Is he number one, like what Charles Barkley said, according to you? No, he's not. Yeah. And, and look, uh, we we have a podcast called Harden My Take. We're obviously very pro-Harden people. Number one is is outlandish when, you know, Michael Jordan has existed, when when Kevin Durant has existed, when, you know, Kyrie Irving's up there too. Okay, Harden is better than Kyrie Irving. Harden's in that. Kobe Bryant. Allen Iverson's Harden's in that tier. Like I had a friend ask me tonight, like who's had the better career, Harden or Allen Iverson? Now, Allen Iverson, one of the greatest point guards of the 2000s, of I guess our generation, we'll call it. I mean, we're not too far apart in age. I, would you assume that AI is part of your generation? Who's the what? Say that again. AI is part of your generation, correct? Yeah, AI, McGrady, yeah. Carter, that's I, my generation. I, mean, yeah. I looked at AI and Harden's stats tonight, side by side, and they're pretty similar. Um, yeah. It, if you had to, I mean, straight up, who's a better basketball player, who's had a better career? I'm going to say I, Harden. I'd say Harden, too. Yeah, I'd say it's Harden slightly. Did AI ever win an MVP? He did. He won one MVP the year that the Sixers made it to the finals, and he stepped over Ty Lue. Yeah, that he was, was the MVP pretty, that year. That was a pretty great moment. Yeah. So, but, but I don't. I mean, AI has won three straight scoring titles. James is James is also scoring titles. I think he's won four now, right? Right, but I'm saying AI never won three in a row. I don't believe. Man, um, but yeah. that's what we're looking at here. I guess James Harden is starting when you're putting his stats next to other guys. Harden's up there, and this is the year where this is like an opportunity for him to earn that respect. Because I think people see AI on a higher level than Harden, mainly because AI made it to the finals as the star of his team versus 
That's the one accomplishment James doesn't have. And I hope that Harden's career does not end up as AIs because that means that he was, you know, one of the best to never win. And, you know, when he plays like this, he don't he doesn't look like a bridesmaid. He looks like the bride. Um, yeah, but he's always been the bride, and he should have that respect. Now, it's also coming from a guy in Charles Barkley who never won a ring. Uh, to me, the greatest one-on-one player, to, to answer your question, to ever play the game is Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan is, was just different. Um, I don't think James Harden yet has the killer instinct that Kobe Bryant had watching him play. Uh, those are probably the two that come to mind right away. Kevin Durant's just a freak. But James Harden is, uh, I mean, how do you guard him? I mean, if he's going to play, if he's going to play the way he played tonight, I just don't think OKC has the horses to stop James Harden. I mean, what, what reinforcements are coming, you know? Lou Dort, but that's about it. Okay, I rest my case. If there, if your your response to that is, if your retort is Lou Dort, then uh, then it's over. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean Harden's in the top ten of one-on-one players in the history of the game, but I'm not ready to put him at number one. And you know, he doesn't need to be number one. No, he doesn't. But. Speaking of reinforcements, let's put ourselves in Billy Donovan's shoes. Let's put ourselves in OKC's situation. Okay. You just lost by 15 to the Rockets without their second or, in some cases, their best player. How do you you recover from this? What are we going to see differently from the Thunder – that we didn't see tonight that will help them adjust to maybe get a win on Thursday? Well, after tonight, I don't think Russell Westbrook plays Thursday. I think the Rockets are going to look at this and say, look, we just did what we just did without Westbrook. We're going we're gonna to roll the dice one more time, give them a little bit more rest, see if we can go up 2-0. Uh, I well, what that, I think we'll see. Yeah. I what think I think that Sham said, Sham said that he – that. Russ could come back as early as this weekend, which would mean no Russ in game two, but potentially in game three on Saturday. Yeah, if the Rockets lose Thursday, you will see Russell Westbrook in game three is my uh, is my opinion on it. I'd say what, man, I think on game two, if you're OKC, you got to run your offense through Chris Paul. I mean, Chris Paul is way too, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not passive. Passive. That great word by you. He was way too passive, man. Like at the end of the game, the Rockets were up. Were they up eighteen points? He comes back with back-to-back threes, gets it down to twelve uh, with four minutes left, and then he hit another layup. I think he scored eight in a row for them. That I mean, that's their path to victory against the Rockets. Is is Chris Paul? Because. If they run their offense through Steven Adams, that's what the Rockets want them to do. I thought P.J. Tucker and Robert Covington and Jeff Green all played really well at the, uh, as the big guys tonight. Um, I, they shut my mouth. I mean, I, I, I thought for sure the Rockets would need Chandler in this series at some point. Right now, I don't see it. 
Uh, so kudos to you on on that. Um, Chris Paul was one assist away tonight from a triple double. Yeah, he he played he played well tonight, and and Chris Paul is, is downright dangerous. He he showed that he's one of the best finishers. Now his team got killed, but he just turns it on in the fourth quarter. He he could be playing a terrible game fourth quarter to different Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. The you know, he had 20 points, he had 10 rebounds, he had nine assists, shot 50% from the field. He was three of eight from three. So Chris Paul is not going to be as passive in game two. Right. Um, now. Now, yeah. Danilo, for the yeah. Thunder, yeah. obviously, I think Lou, Lou Dort tonight was a big loss for them. And I think that we recognize this a little bit tonight. You know, the last time they played, Lou Dort was, you know, on his two-way deal. And he had the Harden assignment. And this is a guy, a two-way player, playing, you know, for his NBA life, guarding James Harden, of all people, the leading scorer in the NBA. James made one of 17 threes that game. And the Thunder won. And I think that Lou Dort, and that's why he's been starting. And he usually gets the assignment of the best player on the other team. In this case, it would be James Harden. Mm-hmm. They missed him tonight. Not not to say that Lou Dort being there would have changed everything and OKC would have come out on top. I'm not saying that. But Terrence Ferguson, in his absence, in Lou Dort's absence, wasn't super effective. And... Darius Baisley was probably their most effective player from that position. But, you know, Schroeder wasn't on his game. Diallo looked suspect at times. Like, they needed more reinforcements on the wing. They just didn't have it tonight. And I think Dort coming back into the fold, I think his status for game two is still uncertain. But I think there's... There's a possibility that he is available for game two. So if Dort comes back, I think that will change things for the Thunder. Obviously, though, when Russ comes back, that's going to, you know, throw the Thunder yet again for another adjustment. But if I'm the Thunder, the one I would get Dort to change the whole thing, whole deal on defense. And an offense, I would keep Gallo involved because he was really involved tonight. He was their best player offensively. And I would get Shea Gilgis Alexander a little bit more involved. I, he was ineffective tonight. He was just kind of there. He didn't provide anything special. Nine points in 35 minutes. For a guy that averages 19 a game, that's not good enough in the playoffs. I'm sorry. Yeah. I thought Dennis Schroeder was terrible for them tonight. Dennis Schroeder also, three of 12 from the floor. 0 of 5 from 3. You know, he missed some games in the bubble because he went home to uh, welcome a baby into the world. So congratulations to the Schroeder family. But, he, you know, he's a bit rusty coming back. And, you know, Schroeder is possibly, could very easily be the sixth man of the year. And that's a big reason behind Oklahoma City's success, especially from the bench. And six points on three of 12 shooting is not going to do it. I'm not shedding any tears for Oklahoma City. I'm not – look, the, the Rockets, they had a plan tonight. 
Mm-hmm. They and com- they executed well. That was the difference. You yeah. look at the bench. You look at the role players for the for the Rockets. You look at the role players for the Thunder. Schroeder six points. SGA nine points. Ben McLemore fourteen. Eric Gordon twenty one. Jeff Green twenty two. Well, what I decided the game. One of my favorite things about tonight, um, I think it was before the game. They, D'Antoni talked about, he was being interviewed by Craig Ackerman, and Ackerman asked him, you know, what his plan was for the game, that t- sort of thing. And his response was fairly simple. It was, we're going to play Rockets basketball. The Rockets are not hiding anything. They have told you, and it's been very prevalent in the national media, and they will tell you straight up, we are going to run, we are going to shoot a lot of threes, and we're not going to play a traditional center. Good luck. And the Oklahoma City Thunder said, okay, well, we're not a great three-point shooting team. We're not a great rebounding team. With Steven Adams, they're the 22nd-ranked rebounding team in the league. So they're better with him on the court overall, but against this Rockets team, I don't know. Your, your guy that you shouted out last episode, Mike Muscala, Muscala got 13 minutes. You know, I think their best lineup against the Rockets doesn't feature a big man. It's the three-guard lineup that we talked about. Uh, with Gallinari and, um, I mean, and Adams. That was their best lineup. And they were talking about it in the national broadcast about how that was OTC's best lineup and something about it being one of the best five-man lineups in the whole league, which I didn't quite catch what measurement they were using. But that lineup with Paul, uh, SGA, Schroeder, Gallo and Adams was one of the best five sums in the whole league. And they brought the rock. They, they did make up some of the ground that had been lost by the bench. But at that point, like the Rockets, after they went up 15 to begin the second quarter, this game was over. Well, you know what the problem with that, that five sum that you just talked about, what's the big, in your eyes, what's the biggest issue with that? That lineup, because there's one real big glaring issue with that that lineup against they're, the Rockets. They're, they're other than Schroeder, they're pretty slow. They can't shoot the three. Yeah, Adams, Adams isn't a good. Sh- uh, I mean, Gallo. I mean, Gallo's a good three point shooter, but what is? I mean, Shea Gillis Alexander tonight was one of three from three. Chris Paul's preference is to not shoot the three ball. So if they want to run that lineup out against the Rockets. I mean, okay, fine, good luck. Because <laughs> the Rockets showed tonight that if Oklahoma City doesn't force-feed Adams and make him, he had some great moves tonight. I mean, Stephen Adams, for as big as he is, is pretty nimble on his feet. He had a couple moves near the basket that really impressed me tonight. But if he's going to be on the court, the Rockets are just going to do exactly what I talked about earlier in the show, and that's getting James Harden going downhill, forcing Stephen Adams and the Thunder into a – you know, a, a question. Do you want to give up a free layup to James Harden or do you want to give up an open three in the corner to P.J. Tucker? That's why P.J. Tucker is so important to this team. Because tonight from three, what was he? He was three, three. of eight three. He was a viable option from the three-point line, made the Thunder pay attention to him at that three-point line, and it opened up so many different things for the Rockets. I also think we haven't talked about him a lot. I thought Daniel Howes for being out for three games really yeah. – Played well on the defensive end tonight. Not necessarily offensively, 
He had nine points. He had a nice reverse layup. Uh, I think he had, yeah, he had one three, but he played well defensively. They were all active defensively tonight. Their switch game was yeah. strong tonight. That defense in the first quarter in particular, some of the best defense I've seen from the Rockets. And this is coming from a team that once upon a time early in the season gave up 140 plus to the Wizards in regulation. They gave up 85 points in the half to Dallas when the bubble started. And for them to have come out in that game, that set the tone for them defensively. And yes, it it didn't reign true for all four quarters, but the defensive intensity was far better than I could have ever expected tonight from the Rockets. Yeah, the the Rockets looked like a team that they were just engaged. I mean, they just they they were engaged in every aspect of the game. Now, you talked about what Oklahoma City is going to do, what they need to do next game. This is the first game that Oklahoma City has played against the Rockets small ball. Every game that they had played up until this point, the Rockets did not have Robert Covington and they hadn't gone full small. So now they at least have some of that tape available to see what they can do. I just, I can't fathom them being able to shoot. Their biggest weakness is the three ball. Can they score enough from outside the three-point line to stay with the Rockets? I don't think so. And their only chance in game two, I think, realistically, they have to be able to slow the Rockets down at the three-point line. Because if the Rockets shoot near 40% again, they will win game two. And they'll win it pretty handily. Yeah. For me, like, if there was an adjustment that the Rockets, like, to me, this is like, it's the best game they've played in the bubble for me. It was better than the Bucks game, to be honest, for me. And. Yeah, I would agree with you. The Rocket, like, I wouldn't make an adjustment for the next game. Assuming Russ is not going to play, which I'd be surprised if he did, uh, considering Shams' report and. Hey, like, you know, I'm not one to say, like, you know, don't give up a game. But until the Rockets lose, I don't really see the point in Russ playing. Oh, I'm totally with you. Oh, I'd rather rest him. Now, granted, even if if the Rockets are up 3-0, let's just say for an example, and Russ plays game four, I mean, what are you going to, like, you're going to say no? Like, you're, you're crazy? Like, to me... Russ will come back when he when he is ready. Whether yeah. the Rockets are up 3-0 or whether they're up, you know, whether they're down 0-3-1 or whatever. Russ will come back when he's ready. There's the nobody that have to be able to, to adjust to OKC's adjustments. Because you know they're going to come. You know Chris Paul's crafty. And my advice to the Rockets is just keep doing what you're doing. And play fast, because that is one thing that OKC does not do very well with. And I think that's where they struggled tonight, where the Rockets really excelled, was the their pace. And OKC struggled with that, and I think that led OKC to some, you know, off-balance shots, or to some, you know, unintelligent shot selections. To be fair, even if the Rockets would have lost tonight... There's really game to game. There's never going to be big adjustments for the Rockets, 
right? No, That's- but OKC is going to make them, and the Rockets have to be able to learn from those mistakes or exactly. le- learn from those adjustments. Because you know they're going to come, whether it be in just personnel-wise, whether they put Lou Dort back if he's healthy, or whether they decide to give the Rockets a different look by playing Darius Baisley a little bit more, or whether they, you know, are they they could do so many things. The the Thunder are deep enough to where they have the personnel that they can do that, and that's the thing with the Rockets. They cannot afford to just sit around and let this come. Because yeah. as 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 much you know, I'm now I'm kind of on the come down a little bit now that we've kind of discussed and talked it out. You don't want to lose game two because the lead you just built tonight that you worked really hard for is gone if you lose game two. Well, I mean, I'm still on a high. I mean, it, because I I'm just I'm really impressed with what I saw. And I think you 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 hit the nail on the head. Game two, just do more of what you did tonight. Active yeah. defensively, active hands, uh, work through Harden. The biggest takeaway I had tonight was when Harden was not on the court, Eric Gordon was able to successfully lead that second unit and expand on the lead. They Eric Gordon is going to be so vital. If, if he's hitting on all cylinders, good luck to anybody that they're playing. The Thunder right now are sitting around and be like, what the heck just happened? Yeah. You know, what do we do? Do we play Steven Adams? Do we not play Steven Adams? Do we – we're not a great three-point shooting team, but we're going to have to shoot more threes tonight. The Rockets just completely baffled Oklahoma City tonight. They didn't have an answer. And Harden was just really, really good tonight. And I'm happy for him. And I'll tell you this, you'd be hard-pressed outside of maybe Damian Lillard. Can you find me one player in this who's still in the playoffs right now that has been as positively impacted by being in a neutral environment than James Harden? No, I can't. Maybe Gary Clark, who had a really good game today. (laughs) No, Gary Clark! I saw that today. Gary Clark. I'm like, yes! Gary Clark. Gary Clark and James Ennis both started for the Magic. Two Rockets reserves started for the Magic, and they won a playoff game against the best team in the league. You know know Daryl Morey during that game was sitting somewhere beachside in Orlando with a glass of cognac in his hand. Be like, yeah, I'm that good. I can (laughs) basically whatever I want. Okay, so let me ask you this quick question. Yeah. Is Jeff Green the best player that Daryl Morey has found off of? I'm not going to call it the trash heap, but I will say guys available to nearly every team in the league and just didn't pick him up for some reason. It's a tough toss-up on this year's team between him and Ben McLemore. Yeah. I totally agree with you. I'm going to say it is Jeff Green, man. Honestly, if Jeff Green had been playing like he was in the bubble for the entire season like McLemore has, I would say Jeff Green. McLemore just has a larger sample sample size. And, you know, with McLemore, you know it's not a fluke. And we're getting to this point with Jeff Green where you're starting to realize that it's not a fluke anymore. 
that this is his this is what he's capable of and he's capable of doing this consistently so i i game two is going to be and look game two is very much a very is an important game in the series it's often overlooked but it proves what because with game two you now have um what's the word i'm looking for tendencies you you tend to see get it tendency tendency but you you figure out what's a fluke and what isn't so is the rocket shooting this well just a one-time flash in the pan like it was tonight or can they consistently put these numbers up can the thunder was tonight a fluke for the thunder or is this what we're going to see from the thunder and if 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 tonight is any indication for how the rest of the series is going to go, it won't get to game six. The Rockets will win this in five if if they can continue this trend. But keep in mind, this is an o- this OKC team is not just going to go down easy. They have tricks up their sleeve, and they're going to come out. The Rockets just need to be able to Defend home court. I know there's no home court, but they got to do it. Well, Oklahoma City's an anomaly because they're not going to go down easily, but they also play a lot of young players that haven't been in this type of series before. And the Rockets, are their entire roster basically went up against arguably the greatest collection of talent in the history of the game in the Warriors. So, And a coach that has been there. So I agree with you that they're going to see adjustments. I agree with you that game two is pivotal. I think part of me feels like the Rockets are playing with a little bit of house money in game two because they're going to roll with no Westbrook. And they're going to know that they have that up their sleeve, potentially if they lose game two. If the Thunder come out with Dort in game two and they win, the Rockets know what they're in for the rest of the series. If Oklahoma City loses game two and the Rockets sit Russell Westbrook, I mean, the Rockets may bring him back in game three and just go for the throat. So, I mean, I'd love to see him go for the throat because I'm the kind of guy that – I'm the fan that is just a nervous wreck during the games. And tonight I was spared because the game was not close. But if these games are getting close, it's not good for Jeremy's health, man. No, but it was – I mean, I got a little nervous with four minutes left with the Rockets up 12 because I know what this um, is capable of. Just – Yeah, I see what you're saying, but it, it didn't feel like that for me. For I was sure. kind of just like, you know what? It was a win, and I'm happy with it. I say – hopefully it's the same in game two. Yeah. And I think this is a good place to park the rocket ship. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode – of Harden, my take. Be sure to catch us after every game throughout this postseason uh, by subscribing to the Harden, my take podcast wherever you uh, listen to your podcast. Be sure to also follow the Dream Shake on Twitter at DreamShakeSBN and to go read all of our content at thedreamshake.com, home of all things Houston Rockets at SBNation.com. And we've got all things Rockets for the playoffs for you. Go and check that out. Cody uh, Cody Davis's recap of tonight's game or Tuesday night's game is up there. So go and check that out. 
Rockets playoffs, man. We are here. Michael Brown, give your final message to the listeners and drop your Twitter handle while you're at it. Oh, Mr. Jeremy Brenner, you're a national treasure. I do want to make sure I uh, point out that you and I are doing a podcast together. During that time, the Rockets are indeed undefeated in the NBA playoffs. So that congratulations is facts. That is facts. To you and to I. I would also like to say that the hashtag Slim Jim in the Pocket Rockets is also undefeated. So make sure to hit that uh, hashtag when talking to Jeremy and myself on the Twitter. And Rockets fans, you should be excited. Tonight's win was fantastic. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at UHBigGrand. Hat guy. Can't wait for Thursday's game. And you can follow me on Twitter at Jeremy Brenner. J-E-R-E-M-Y-B-R-E-N-E-R. You can catch our next episode of the Harden My Take podcast on Friday after Thursday's game two. Thursday's tip-off is an early start. Uh, This is going to be hard to get used to with all these different times, but Thursday's tip-off is set for 2.30 Houston time. So get off work early if that applies to you. Uh, It's 3.30 here on the East Coast, a little bit later, but... Be sure to do that. We will be podcasting Thursday night out for you listeners on Friday morning. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Harden My Take. And we are officially one down, 15 to go. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial Series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial Series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.